Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everyone. Another edition. Um, I'm welcoming my esteemed co-host, Mr. Rory Anderson. How are you doing, Rory? Oh, I'm doing just lovely. How about yourself? Doing well. Finally got another day off. Well, that's a pity. You know a lot of days off. <laughs> I don't know whoever thought that was a good idea. So, there's been some moves in the NFL lately, uh, mainly surrounding New England. We had the Martellus Bennett trade. We had them signing um, Shane McClellan from the Bears. They ha- they signed Chris Long. I think he just started for them. <laughs> they were really quiet in the beginning, and now they're more active. Well, they're not really in a cap situation that allows them to spend a lot of money at the moment. They're relatively right around normal cap spending, but the problem is they're in a situation where they have to worry about all their re-signings in future years. Mm-hmm. You know, your Don to High Towers, all those cats. And we've seen how that, I think, is a contributing factor for why they moved uh, uh, Chandler Jones, thank you very much. Uh, considering what they just saw, you know, the outrageous amount of money that um, the Giants just sent over the way of uh, Olivier Vernon. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, they're doing what good teams do. They're hitting that second tier for agency. If you look at, you know, what Chris Long can do, he can do a little bit of, you know, he can do some of that five-tech kind of stuff. He could be a hybrid defensive end, mix it up. You know, it won't be super explosive, but, you know, they use blitz concepts to generate pressure. They got Jabal Sheard. They got Ninkovich. They got some other guys. Um, so, I don't really you know. The draft has got plenty of those kind of cats in this draft anyways. So, with an additional second-round pick, they're going to double-dip there. Isn't this so, weird? Ninkovich never seemed to age. Ninkovich is, is, is truly bizarre. He has one of the more bizarre careers he literally would never have done anything than probably be on like a practice squad if it wasn't for New England. And yet he's gonna turn in he's gonna have one of those careers that's gonna be like a twelve to thirteen year starter. He's gonna end his he's gonna end his uh, career with like a hundred sacks and someone's gonna say, Hey, shouldn't he be in this in the Hall of Fame like thirty years? And that's what's gonna happen. And you'll get one of those uh really old guy Hall of Fame elections or something. I don't actually know where he's at with uh, Sacks. I have no idea. I was just completely saying a random number. Um. <laughs> I don't know if he's even had 30 sacks in his career. I have no idea, but it always seems like, you know, he gets five sacks a year and all of them are ridiculously important. He just never ages, it seems. There's no sign of slipping down. 
And for a guy in his mid-30s now? I honestly don't even know how old he is. <laughs> He's like 33, 34. And he, he plays the exact same way he did when he was 25. That's the weird yeah. part. So we talked about all the re-signings. They have to get Malcolm Butler. Uh, next year, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, so hopefully, we can try to get a deal done. Uh, possibly, as soon as the season ends next year, possibly a long-term, or they're just going to have to tender him maybe a first-round tender. You know, because they can't afford somebody like that to walk out the door. Yeah, so he, he becomes free. He becomes a restricted free agent next season. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, they'll probably give him a, like a second or first round tender, most likely. They'll probably give him the second round tender, I would believe, because his original round is undrafted free agent, I believe. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to give him an original round tender. So yeah, probably like a second round tender, uh, which would be fair compensation if someone actually went after him, which I don't think will happen. Um, I think we're, you know, I think long term we're going to continue to see this bizarre situation where you're going to see the evaluation of cornerbacks and how much the league spends on corners go up. But I think the spending per corner is going to go, or no, let me put it this way. The spending per cornerback is going to go up, but the high-end contracts I think are going to come down. I think you're not going to see, you know, like the George Jenkins contract, I think it's going to be a rarity. I think you'll see a bunch of, like, Sean Smith kind of contracts. You know, 8 to $10 million a year, always in that range. And you'll have teams that I think the Patriots are going to be a good example of this, where, you know, in the future you could see two or three guys that are all on long-term deals that pay between 7 to $10 million a year. Is it and they have, like, three guys they really like. Brandon Browner? Is it possible what? they bring back Brandon Browner? Free agent. I mean, maybe, but um, outside of the the last Super Bowl year, mm-hmm. uh, New England has a tendency to not bother with defensive backs and just load up with a bunch of undrafted guys or late-round draft picks. It's not usually a place they invest heavily in. Yeah. And plus, either they're going to let Aaron Dobson walk I believe, either next year or the year after. He's basically done nothing. I think that they already basically announced failure with him. Yeah, I could see him I could see him being a draft rate, draft day trade though. Or sort of like how they got Keyshawn Martin from the Texans during the draft. Yeah, I could see them shopping for like a fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I mean, like, do, you think, do you think a team will bite on that? Absolutely. I think you could put Dobson in some schemes and he could be a very serviceable wide receiver. Like, if you put him in a scheme where all he does is go vertical and you just let him operate on vertical route concepts, and, you know, either it's a nine or a skinny post or whatever, and you just use him in that way. Yeah, I'm, I could see... I think there's a lot of teams. The Buccaneers, I think, would be a fit. But then they would have to consider Jackson. Yeah. But see, the reason why he doesn't fit New England is because New England doesn't 
they have very complicated route concepts, and everything they do is option routes. And so everything is reactive. What? He came from Marshall, and he never learned any of that. No, yeah, he, yeah. Came from a, he came from a spread. He came from a spread offense. He ran three routes, and he was just a you know. It's what they. And, but they have a, the Patriots have a tendency of doing this, where they go and they draft these guys that are athletes, and they they think you know they're, they're usually smart guys. They talk to them. I mean, you're not dumb if you're going to Marshall. You know, Marshall's not a school full of idiots. Smart people go to Marshall. And, you know, so they probably thought he was an intelligent guy. He would pick up on the offense. He just didn't. It, you know, it's, a, it's an uber-complicated offense, and they don't let you get your toe in the water. You sink or swim. It's one or the other, you know. Okay, what's the Whereas a lot, of offenses, a lot of offenses will allow you to kind of put your toe in the water and baby step. <laughs> New England doesn't work that way, you know. What is up with them signing or, or getting all these, you know, Somewhat good-looking pass catchers. You got your Danny Amendola, your Julian Edelman. Ugh. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm an attractive guy, so I don't have any problems with it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm a very handsome there. man, so you know, I'm a very, very handsome man. So I mean, I, I'm plenty confident. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> they got Seven Eleven there. Chris Hogan, he's always open. <laughs> he's gonna be, he's gonna be just like uh, Walker when Walker left uh, Miami. That's just a perfect you know, name. For him. What? Seven Eleven is a perfect nickname for him, though. Too. He he was always open for the Bills. I think it's because he was the one white guy nobody paid attention to because he was the one white guy. <laughs> they were just like they saw a random white dude and they were like. Nah, he's not actually on the team. We'll just ignore him. It's also the what? The whitest receiving core in the NFL, probably? It is. <laughs> They're such a weird team. <laughs> but look, but the three guys they have, Hogan, Amendola, and um, uh, Edelman, they are very yeah. similar. Like, if you look at them, they're very similar. They're all... They're not the greatest athletes. They run very similar routes. You know, they're all very heady guys. What, two of them are ex-quarterbacks. So, you know, they have a model, and it works for them. You know, they just go vertical with their tight ends. Um, And then you also have on the opposite side, Keyshawn Martin, and who's backing him up? Brian Mm -hmm. Kim? Matthew Slater? Are those your guys backing... Keyshawn Martin up. Well, Matthew Slater is a special teamer. He doesn't back anybody up. I know, but they're so bare on the other side. Well, I think what's going to happen is you're probably going to see less Keyshawn Martin. You're just going to see the three of those guys. You know, and well, maybe not even that. What you'll probably end up seeing is probably 12 personnel. So one running back, two tight ends. And they'll mix up splitting Gronk and Martellus off the line. So I you'll end up seeing, you know, probably Martell's in line most of the time and then move Gronk around, whether he's in line or he's in motion, in slot, out wide, whatever. You know, he ends up being the move tight end that you put all over the field. And you got, he's the one you got to track that and he dictates the matchups. What's that? Are they still using that fullback next year? 
They have a fullback? Yeah, he got injured before the season uh, started. Oh, I don't know. Before the, who was it? What's his name? I don't know his name. All I know is he's a dinosaur. He's got to be a rookie or something, right? He'd have to be a rookie or something. No, I don't think he might. Like a, he was like a six-year player. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't know their roster that well to know they're using a fullback. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Bill Belichick, it's this hyper-creative offense. They'll figure out a way to use guys if you're good. If you've got some talent and, and they think they can put you in a position to succeed, you will, as long as um, you listen. Did you hear um, hear about the Chargers owners, like such a Bill Belichick type of move, signing Dan O'Donnell to their team? Well, tell one more time. All I heard was about Chargers owner, and then it wasn't very clear. Say that one more time. Donald Brown, and a lot of people call him Dan McDonald. Oh, that's what I didn't understand. Okay. <laughs> they said such, such a Patriots move. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, your, it's that typical late 20s, early 30-year-old running back who's going to come in, catch the ball out of the backfield some, run the ball a little bit some. I still you know, think the, be- the second best running back outside Dion Lewis is Tyler Gaffney, who they got off waivers years ago. He's been hurt from the Panthers. Yeah, and if you remember Tyler Gaffney, he was the running back at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Who was a very versatile back, did a lot of stuff. He was, he was a not very explosive version of the guy they got now, who could run it. What? You said Will Garrett Blunt? No, 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 Stanford. Uh, what's the white Oh, Chris McCaffrey? Chris McCaffrey, thank you. Um, yeah, McCaffrey's kid. He, uh, Gaffney was a, a less explosive version of him. So could run the ball, catch the ball. He did everything. You know, just wasn't as explosive as McCaffrey. Um, and then on top of that was there with Andrew Luck. I think, yeah, he, he caught the tail end of Andrew Luck's career, didn't he? Well, he was there at uh, his final year, his first year. Because okay, Stephon yeah, Taylor. Okay. Stephon Taylor, Taylor, that's the one. And uh, Toby Gerhardt. Mm-hmm. It's that I know these. Know all this? Mm-hmm. Well, you're the uh, you're the college guy. I'm not, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna end up blurring details with college stuff. Moving forward, the Lions signed Jeremy Curley, which during after his release, I tweeted the you know the official Lions uh, account. I'm like, get this guy in your camp. So I felt happy right there. <laughs> yeah, Curly's probably going to play the slot for them, I would assume. Yeah, because he's going to replace Lance Moore, who's a free agent. Yeah. Which, you know, pretty much anybody can replace Lance Moore at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jeremy Curley's Jeremy not Curley great, isn't bad. No, he's, he's not bad, great, but he's well. not going to... You know, he'll, he'll run those under routes you need. You know, he'll run the short crossers and do all the things underneath that you need to... You know, take advantage of your intermediate and dark deep routes. So, since they don't really have Calvin, anyone doing it from the tight end spot, Calvin Johnson, before he's retired, he's probably like, "Why couldn't you surround me with more help while I was here?" <laughs> if they if if the Lions had a tight end, that athletic tight end to pair up with 
with um, Calvin Johnson. It would have Eric been Ebron. Yeah, but Eric Ebron with hands. Eric Ebron's been very disappointing so far. Well, he's been either hurt or been right behind Brandon Pettigrew. Yeah, and all Brandon Pettigrew does is block. I mean, Ebron's had a few moments, but he's been wildly inconsistent and has a lot of drops. In two years, he's almost in the match a thousand yards. In two years. He had 400 his first year, and I think about 400 his second year. So it's about right for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tight end is such Tim a lacking position with talent. It's bizarre. Now with Tim Wright, I don't know. Because when they had Fourier, you're like, okay, do you just keep Fourier for red zone? But now that he's gone, I don't know what they do with all these tight ends. Well, Tim Wright's probably just an insurance. He's just insurance in case Ebron's not the guy or, like, gets hurt. You know, I don't think he'll be playing over Ebron. Because Pettigrew is just your inline blocker. Pettig- you know, Ebron will be your move tight end. You know, but you can't. The problem with Ebron is you can't keep him in and run base package with him. You have to have the blocking tight end. And he just becomes a, you know. Like, a, like the Patriots with Gronkowski, you can at least, if, if you just had Gronk, you could play with just Gronk and keep him in line. You could move him all around. You can't do that with Ebron. No one buys it when he's in line. He's going to stay in the block. So okay, you're the Lions. If you're the Lions, why didn't do you think they made an offer for Martellus, and the Bears decided not to give him to a division opponent, or what? Uh, maybe, but I think it probably has more to do with the fact they already have Pettigrew, you know, and they would probably rather address it through the draft. And maybe getting you know undrafted free agents stuff like that than they would going after a vet. I'm very disappointed with the Cardinals. I didn't want Evan Mathis for a one-year, six million dollar deal. That seems a bit much. That's ridiculous. Um, and how long God's greener? I don't want. I'm gonna tell you right now. How a God's Green Earth team is not jumping and signing Tony Jefferson to an offer sheet immediately after those two deals they just made, I don't understand it. There's no reason for him to be a Cardinal right now. It's going to happen. I mean, I know they say the Raiders aren't going to do it. I don't buy it. I just, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. Unless there's a character issue that we don't know about. It says, everyone just keeps saying, you know, they don't, teams don't think that they're going to be able to construct a contract to get them out. It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> the Cardinals barely have enough cap space to sign rookies. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. But I don't understand why you pay $6 million for Evan Mathis. I don't know how you do a one year six million. I can understand a two year six million. But six million in one year is way too much. It's like they were bidding against themselves. And exactly nobody wanted Evan Mathis. I mean literally he did nothing all year until the end of the season when he was finally somewhat healthy and he was a decent guard. Cardinal begging you 
draft Javon Hargrave. Please. <laughs> Defensive tackle. Have uh, you watched any of this tape? If, if, I were to, if I were to pick somebody that I think would go really, really well there, would be the uh, Garnett. Garnett. Oh. So from Stanford? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. The guard, you know, because I look at him as a guard or tackle. And you play him in, you know, right guard, right tackle spot, maybe. I think Garnett would be the guy. I think you get him on the opposite side of the felt here. At least you stabilize both sides of the line a little bit. Okay, one of my guys on Twitter gave us no expense and four, gave, four guys I never heard of. And I'm like, oh, we need a center. He's like, I think he's a center that we need to take that high. Okay, moving on, there was no guard. All it was was a wide receiver, a running back, a safety. And I think it was a seventh-round defensive end. I was so pissed. I'm like, "How you were not mock-drafting for my team anymore. Well, (laughs) here's the problem with going with safety for them. They could theoretically go to more base packages with less multiple safeties and be just fine. They don't have to roll out five safe, you know. You don't well, have that, to play intermixing six safeties all season. Well, I don't think you know they would be just fine because it sort of covers up their holes with all the other parts of their defense. It compensates a little bit for their lack of linebackers. Well, but for the most package. part... Yeah, but you could still come out. You could still come out with, you know, uh, I mean, they have two decent enough corner. You know, you got Peterson, and then you got the other corner uh, who they recently resigned. Now Tyran Matthew, who could play your slot, and then right now you still have. We didn't resign the corner. What? We didn't resign Jordan Gerard Powers. I thought you guys extended the corner last year. During the season, I know you did. Justin Bethel. That's that, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But he's a safety. Oh, he's a safety. I thought it was a, cor- I thought it was a corner. He's a okay, safety so- that was playing out of position in the nickel. All right, so he's, but he's a slot. I mean, that's basically what you have, though, with your safeties. is a bunch of slot corners. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is Tyran Matthew? I mean, you could put him in base. You could put him deep. He's fine there. I mean, he plays, a, he plays, he plays every well. position on our defensive line. Yeah, he does. But, they move him, but, but, he, but you know when he makes the biggest plays is when they put him – in short zones or in man around the line of scrimmage because he's always around the ball. And because he can blitz, you know, he, he adds so much to it. You know, if you keep him near the line of scrimmage, you know, it, it's the idea that he can be such a disruptive force closer to the line of scrimmage that he's more valuable than if you take him away. You know, if you were to just put him deep, it takes that, you know, there, there's lots to be scared about, you know. Oh. Is it has the Raiders have have they made any moves recently, or have they been? No, we're just waiting players? to find out if we're just waiting to see if they uh, match Benson Mayoa's offer from the Cowboys. Mm. And I have not really been on Twitter much today, but I haven't seen anything. And then well, I'm not on Twitter a, much at all anymore. I am at once in a while I'll ask some questions. You know, get people take. Minus certain players. 
that's really about it. I'm usually on there maybe once or twice a day. Well, I... It's uh, all through my cell phone, so somebody tweets them, I'll respond. So, yeah, I haven't been on, and then... Um, so there's that. There's, uh... Let's see. Oh, um, I just saw... It sounds like the Raiders said something about making sure they bring back Alden. Um, it came up on my fan side of thing. So it looks like someone wrote... Someone I've just bought baby wrote an article about it, so I'm going to assume that somebody said something. So there was reason to write an article. I'll check real quick, but I just saw the little blip come up on my phone. But pretty much outside of that, not a whole heck of a lot. I mean, other outside the Patriots, uh, there hasn't been that many moves. RG3 has been visiting the Browns and the Jets. Yep. <laughs> Alfred Morris is expected to sign with Dallas. Yep. Seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. And Patrick uh, Robinson's also visiting them. The former first-round bust turned to a solid second end of his career. Yeah, if you say so. He was the first-round bust for the Saints a few years ago. He played well he for the Chargers. I, I, you know, solid as, you know, whatever. I think it's a matter of perception. He's probably like a slight scheme fit that's kind of on this, you know, just on this side of black. Okay, this is a defense who had no interceptions by their cornerbacks all year. <laughs> Any bit of help will help the Cowboys. Secondary. Brandon Carr has been a disappointment. They finally cut him. He hasn't found his home yet. And he probably won't. <laughs> Not until camp starts. It'll probably be a camp edition. <laughs> um, Reunite with the Chiefs. Different scheme. Um... So we about the Raiders Alden Smith. Uh, here's the thing about Alden Smith. Uh, apparently, Reggie McKenzie said he uh, Alden Smith remains in the Oakland Raiders' future plans. Even the general manager Reggie McKenzie has revealed he's in no rush to sign him. So they're just not in a rush to sign the guy, but they, you know, they're gonna they want to bring him back. Cardinals just make the move. Cardinals just make the move. I don't care what position you are, just take him from the Raiders. He's a damn good um, player. Well, yeah, the problem is he doesn't want to leave California. And so I think that's why they're not okay, in a rush. not that far away. It doesn't matter. He just doesn't want to leave. Like, he he, he likes okay, where he's at. He doesn't want to. Uh, let's see. So here's the quote. Here's the quote from CSN Bay Area. General Manager Richard McKenzie said he's in no rush to resign Smith, 26, as the Raiders want to be a certain... Well, to be certain, the talented pass rushers are making correct decisions off the field. The conversations have been good, McKenzie told CSN Bay Area on Monday at the NFL owners' meetings. Really, it's encouraging him as a person to continue to get his life right, and if you're going to commit to this thing, you have to go through some steps, and that's what he's going through right now. So what I had always said about the Raiders with Alden Smith was, I guarantee when they found out he was going to be suspended, they had – they talked, and they laid out exactly what each side was going to commit to and what needed to happen while he was away from the team. And what I think this is, is they're just going through the baby steps, and they're probably wait, They're probably talking to Alden. You know, they're probably seeing where he's at, um, seeing where he's going through certain recovery and doing certain things, and that in due time they're going to sign him. I think they fully plan to sign him. I think Alden doesn't want to go anywhere else but Oakland. I think he wants to st- – here's the other thing, too. 
if he wanted to go anywhere else besides Oakland, I think they would be forced to make the decision because other teams would be on him. I wouldn't be surprised if his if his agents are basically saying, look, he doesn't want to really go anywhere, you know. Um, and he's probably still working on getting his life in order. So that's probably, you know, I think they're probably just taking their own baby steps. But so I'm pretty Seth confident Gordon he's back. Was Josh Gordon reinstated? I haven't seen anything. As I was looking, watching ESPN earlier, I saw the headline above. So, like, you know, before they get to it, is Josh Gordon reinstated? No question I mean, mark at all. It's his, uh, his one year is up now. So it should be. But it might just be a matter of timing. I just think he's got one more time and then he's out of the league permanently. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... You know, that's, that's how it goes. Gotta, you know, some team's going to take a flyer on him. Some team's going to take a flyer on him, just like the Raiders will with Alden. And, you know, he'll get a contract where he gets, you know, $500,000 or a million dollars base and then a bunch of incentives. Cowboys. Maybe. Maybe. I could... Mm. Who's a team that's kind of like one good risk away from making it work? Uh... Well, he'll be back with Des Bryant. He'll protect with Des Blackman. Yeah, that could work. That could work. And Des Bryant, Bryant, Bryant has turned into a bit of a, a pretty solid on, like on the field leader type, kind of a mentor, kind of like what uh, Patrick Peterson is to uh, Tyron. Tyron, yeah. Um, who's another organization where he was kind of fit? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think about going through my all the divisions in my head. <laughs> no, not the rate. I mean, the Ravens as an organization makes sense, but I just don't see the, them as a team doing it. Um, not the Niners. Too much. Seems like a Browns-type move. He's already on the Browns. No, no, I'm talking about uh, Blackman now. Oh, Blackman. Um, <laughs> Blackman. I, I keep wanting to say something like the Chiefs, but... Andy Reid does not like taking flyers on guys like that. Yeah, he, that's not really his style, but he did it, that he kind did of it a coach. few times in Philly, but with Mike, like Michael Vick and that. But that was his style. Terrell Owens. But he was Terrell Owens was a different kind with of problem, Vick. though. He was also a good athlete. Unlike yeah, but it was, he was a different kind of problem. He was more. He's more of just a distracting personality, whereas mm-hmm. Josh Gordon's just kind of a doofus. He's working in that car dealership. So. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe the Redskins or the new Phillies, or Phillies, the the new way the Eagles are constructed, I could see, was uh, you know, Peter. Who's starting? Who's the starting quarterback next year? The Eagles? Yeah, if you had to decide between what's on that roster. I think Bradford will be, be only because he does so well in practice situations. But we'll see how long it lasts. I think either he'll get benched or he'll get hurt. And yes, I'm predicting an injury. Um, and Chase Daniel will also get benched. And I don't. Be, <laughs> I we're talking about insane concerts. 
Talk about insane contracts. Even Chase Daniels, $7 million a year is ridiculous. Doug Peterson loves him. And why don't you just trade a guy away? Trade Bradford away, then. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, to me, what's weird is why did they well, sign Bradford that contract? What? Well, I guess Chase Daniels was an insurance plan just in case. Um, or no, no, Sam Bradford was insurance plan just in case they didn't get Chase Daniels. But why not wait till free agency opened? I don't know. That's what I don't get. Why don't you wait till free agency opened? I don't know. That's a bizarre move. I mean, because they, they should have assumed Chase Daniels was going to hit the market. Unless you trade back for Matt Barkley. <laughs> has, has there ever been a team that traded back for a guy they just traded away? I can't think of one in NFL history. I'm probably, but... Like after I mean, one year? Probably. Yeah, it feels weird like that. Especially with quarterbacks. Now, the big question for quarterbacks is how are the dominoes going to fall with the Broncos, Jets? Who else is well, there? either the Jets keep Fitzpatrick or they're in a spot where they grab a, either a pack of links or later in the draft they get a kind of cut. I think Connor Cook is probably the likely one. But who do you get in the immediate? Because it's definitely not going to be Geno Smith. Do you bring in Rob Griffin III? And where yeah. does Fitzpatrick end up falling? See, because to me, to me, I still think Fitzpatrick makes the most sense in Denver. Tavares Jackson. I got my idea. Tavares Jackson. And then where does Cap, where does Cap go? Because it doesn't make any sense for the Browns to trade for Cap. I mean, why? Why would the Browns draft quarterback in the future? Exactly. So why would you why would you trade the second or third round? I think pick they're for smoking mirrors. I think it's smoking mirrors right now. They're showing they're interested, but they're really not. Um, you know, so people. I, so I think somebody could trade up in the draft and take their spot or something like that, or force them to see him to get Kaepernick or something like that. But I don't think they like being at number two. I think they want to move back. But the Browns, they're going yeah. to tell him if I'm getting reported. But how? But who's going to want to move up to two? That's the question. Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, now, here's been my theory about because I've always said that I, I'm a big believer that the Raiders need to trade out of 14 and move Jones. down. But my, and people have always said, well, who's going to trade up? Well, my theory's always been the interest in trading in this round is going to come later in the round. It's going to be the middle to the back end. The reason is... Somebody like the Eagles, you switch their draft picks with the Dolphins. Yeah, they moved Possibly maybe that was a move to get up and find his own quarterback in draft. Maybe to go get up to two. Yeah, because it could be. Actually, that that makes sense right there. That actually makes sense. But here's here's the theory. And then you trade Bradford in the deal. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe I could see something like that. Yeah, well, actually, I could see Bradford and Hugh Jackson working out pretty well, actually. Except they have to eat the dead money if they trade him. So never mind. It doesn't work. 
You have to eat the dead. Well, they, well, well, they still have uh, plenty of cap space right now. It, it doesn't matter. So, you, when, you, when, you trade, when you trade a player, you have to eat the dead money. Does that stop them trading Julian to Byron Maxwell or DeMarco Murray? I think not. Yeah, because they haven't I, eaten I all. They ate all of that. I, so, I don't think well, so they what, really care about eating the dead money right now. Well, it doesn't matter. Why would you sign the guy and then trade him to eat the dead money? That doesn't make any sense. No, I'm with you that they could move from eight to two. I just don't think that moving Bradford is the part that makes sense. You know, at this point, you may as well just roll with the three of them, Bradford, Daniels, and then you have, you know, your rookie that you get at two. And then you just let the rookie figure it out in a couple of years so you don't rush him. So, no, I get mm-hmm. it. I actually think that makes sense. I just don't think but it's who did Bradford. they trade away to get it, move up there then? No, that's the question. It's not going to it's not gonna be all picks. Because you're going to have to trade a player. Because Eagles are sort of screwed. They don't have a second-round pick. But here's where I think... Here's where I think draft mechanics are going to change this year. Okay? I don't think you're going to see... I think this could be closer to 2013. Where, remember, the Raiders moved out of the three spot for only a second round pick and they moved all the way down to what, 12 or 14? So the point is, I think because there's a very small group of actual elite talent, like there's basically four elite prospects and then you have, you know, maybe seven or eight actual other first round grades. So you basically have about 12 players in this draft that are actually worthy of going in the first round and then you have a bunch of second round picks that are going in the first round. And because of that, it's going to bring the value of trades way down. So it's not going to go off the chart. So you're not going to see like a Julio Jones trade. You're not going to need that kind of thing because there's so much value in moving. So I think what that does is it creates fluidity to trade. So maybe you can move from eight to two, and all it's going to cost you is a 2017 second rounder and a 2016 fifth. You know? What if there's that, somebody that, like Ryan Matthews? That's not really his guy. And Ryan Matthews makes want, a lot of sense. And Ryan they're Matthews talking about drafting a young running back of their own. Yeah, and, and, and Ryan Matthews would make sense because it, he would fit into what Hugh Jackson does. Mm-hmm. Downhill runner, life's gap scheme. Uh, you know, so you say, I mean, he's pretty, con, you know, he's pretty diverse. Does a little bit of everything. But he fits with the power run scheme. So, yeah, it would work out real fine. I just don't think it'll be Sam Bradford, you know. They gave him too much guarantee. They gave him too much guaranteed money. They'd be forced to take it on the chin the moment they trade him. All I know is my Cardinals better find a way to get a second round pick this year. Get a quarterback in the second round, draft defense first, and then go focus back on defense in the third. What picks do you have? You only have well, you only have like four or five picks, right? We have six picks. Hmm. Because hmm. the value of this draft is basically about pick twenty through let's see about round four, and the gap. And the gaps in between the talent, even between rounds two and four, is relatively minimal. Like, the guys you get in round four are going to be really close to the guys you get in round two, and vice versa. 
So what, and this has been my theory for the Raiders, what works better, the Raiders don't need to get a Khalil Mack in the straps. What they need is to get a bunch of, you know, TJ carries. You know, they need a bunch of them. Like, just solid guys that are going to be really great for depth all the way across your team in different positions where you need them. You know, basically go out and hit a bunch of doubles. You don't need to hit a home run, but go hit six doubles, you know. And I, I, I do think this will be the first year we see where we see a lot more trades in round one than, we're, than we are accustomed to. You know, I could see six or seven, you know, maybe more. Something like, but like something in between six and nine, somewhere in that ballpark. And there might be thirty-two picks again this year. Um, Robert Kraft just filed a letter, you know, to get their first-round draft pick back. He's filed to Goodell and people above him, you know, try to get that back. This was sort of an unfair thing for the first-round draft pick. I can see a couple of mid-round picks, but that first one was outrageous. I agree with outrageous, but it was to set a precedent. The problem I see with that is if Roger Goodell allows allows that to change, he doesn't he does, therefore... I don't he likes the Patriots at all. It's no, he and Robert Kraft are buddies. No, whoa, time well, out. Former buddies. The two, time out, time out, time out. The two guys that got Roger Goodell to be the commissioner of the NFL are the owners of the Patriots and the Steelers. Those are like his best buds. Those are the guys that vouched for him that got him to be the commish. So, no, I don't think – I think what it was – I think it's the exact opposite. I think the perception would have been if they went light on the Patriots, it would have been, look, Roger Goodell's buddy buddy was Robert Kraft. I still think that sort of thing was sort of stupid. Oh, deflating footballs. Really? Well, I agree it's stupid. But the problem problem the Patriots are in is – Roger Goodell is in a position where if he sets the precedent that he's not always right, people are always going to second-guess him in this fashion. And remember, legal standing in court cases has no bearing on a decision that's made in the NFL in terms of NFL punishment. It's got nothing to do with it. So, you know, just because Tom Brady's winning in court doesn't mean anything to what's happening between the commissioner and the punishment levied out by the NFL. So he runs a really dangerous precedent of basically meaning his words not, you know, coming from the mouth of God kind of thing. So I don't know if he would go back on... What I could see would be they give the first-round pick back and then they hit him with a different... They change the punishment. Right, well, right. so maybe, well, maybe it also change the salary cap. It's possible that they trade back into the first round to get a first round pick, but that would also stick it to a lead. No, I mean if you trade. No, because you haven't changed the amount of picks, and you're still forcing them to use up to use up picks. I don't think it sticks into the league at all. It doesn't doesn't mean anything. Well, unless they trade players for that pick, but. They're not in a position, they're not a deep enough team to start training players for picks. You know, like, I, no, I, I, don't, I don't see it happening. It, but again, it doesn't matter. You haven't changed. You're still one, one draft pick less than you normally should be in a regular draft. That hasn't changed. 
They actually have an extra pick than they did before the year started, or a couple of them, actually. No, no, you're, you're missing what I'm saying. Yes, I know the Patriots saying. might get – yeah, the Patriots might get another pick. It doesn't matter. You haven't changed the total pool of picks. That's the key here because it doesn't matter if they trade to go get a first-round pick. They have to give something up to go get that. It has to be compensated. So it doesn't matter. They're not getting any. They're not getting anything for free. So, what I the only way I could see them see Roger giving them that first round pick back is if he decides and they come to an agreement that they change the punishment and that they either like maybe they do a five million dollar fine to the crafts or whatever. I mean, it's not going to affect Bob Kraft. He doesn't give a crap. You know, he poops out five million dollars. So you know, something like that to where Bob Kraft doesn't care about paying it, and it looks good, you know? All right. Um, so what's your decision on the whole Minecraft thing? If that's something you'd like to do. On mock drafting? Yeah. I enjoy doing a mock draft. Um, I have one year where I did a bunch of them. I've come to realize I like doing probably one, maybe two. But I do enjoy doing, like, one mock draft um, for the first round when I feel like I have a grasp or a handle on the first round. The problem this year is I don't feel like I have a handle on it at all. I basically know of 12 players I can guarantee aren't getting out of the first 13 picks. Like, to me, the first... To me, the first 12 to 13 picks are the players are set in stone. It's just the order that's going to change, right? But the players are pretty much set in stone. And then after that, I have no clue. Like, I, I would totally – I mean, I could see a guy like – this is going to sound nuts, but I'm going to say it anyways. Like, I, it wouldn't stun me if a team, like at the end of the first round, decided to take uh, Yannick Ngaku from Maryland. Does it make sense? Uh, I no. can guarantee you that's not going to happen. Yeah, but my point, my point is, I'm saying something ridiculous for this point. I think the gap between the players is so small that we're going to see crazy. Like, you're going to see stuff that doesn't make any sense. Like, who, who did the – remember when the Eagles picked um, the edge rusher from Louisville? And it was like, you just what? In the first round, and he hasn't done anything in two years? I liked him, but I gave him, like, a third-round grade. When, when that in that draft, and I really liked him. And that was in a deep draft. That was in a super deep draft. Now, this draft isn't loaded with talent on the front end. So, yeah, I mean, okay, it might not be in Gaku, but I'm saying, like, that kind of player, like that guy who most people think is a second- to third-round pick, you know, like third-round pick, and then all of a sudden the team takes him ridiculously earlier than you expected, and you're kind of like, okay. Or the Cowboys, the Travis Frederick, great example. Could totally see it. I mean, they're talking about a, a center going in the first round again this year, like, and not the very end, like in the 20s. Okay, how about I rephrase it? How about instead of, like, a mock draft necessarily, but a, I guess sort of a dream scenario? Sure. Oh, you know? yeah, talking about positions. Yeah, talking about positions, that's the easy part. That's the part where you can make sense. The hard part is getting the player. <laughs> Dark parts of players. No, that sounds good to me. 
I think we should start that maybe in like two weeks. We did every thing already. Um, this on video in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That sounds good. And I think the thing is, too, because, you know, we can talk about, you know, you look at a team, I don't know, you know, the Steelers or whatever, and you say to yourself, you know, they make a lot of, you know, what positions make a lot of sense for the Steelers, what they need, yada, yada, yada. And then you kind of fit it to a little bit of, you know, the draft mechanics we're looking at, and you're like, eh, not real sure. But, you know, what could happen, you know, maybe they decide they want they they're the team that takes the, the jump on Williams action the third, even though it's a little early. But maybe they're the team that jumps the shark on him. You know, maybe it might you know, like have the fourth round grade on him. Yeah, but you know, I like me personally I gave him a second round grade and I know people I've heard a lot of people say that I've seen people that say he's the best corner in the draft. So to, this is my I point. Think gone all I, crazy. This is my point where in like and, and here's the flip side of that. I am not impressed in any way by Mackenzie Alexander or Vernon Hargreaves. I don't find them impressive at all. I, I think they're at best second-round picks, and in most drafts, you would never hear them sniffing the first round. I, uh, so I, I disagree with you on Hargreaves. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, I completely agree with you. Uh, normally, when it comes to punching guys, I normally wouldn't. But Mackenzie Alexander is another story. But see, now here's my problem with Vernon Hargreaves. And now this is, I will say that I think with drafting and when you, we scout people, it's inherently subjective because different people have preferences for different things. And my problem with Vernon Hargraves is he sits on the short routes trying to pick the ball off and make a play way too much. And because of it, if my colonel's getting ammunition, I'd want him on my team when he's another quarter. <laughs> he gets beat on doubles. He gets beat on straight nine routes consistently. This is a guy who will bite on pup fakes. So, to me, he's a bit of, I guess you could compare him a little bit to like an Asante Samuel. I think you can even compare him to a Janoris Jenkins. Now, two other different people, players you just mentioned. To me, well... Uh, body type wise, yes, but I think they play similar. They, I think they both sit on short routes and they're trying to jump passes and create interceptions. I think now what Vernon Hargrave does well, he's a good tackler. He's physical, so there's some aspects of his game I like. I think he's too handsy. I think he's going to get penalized a ton for holding in the uh, pass interference in the NFL. Um, and I quite, you know, sometimes I. I, I, to me, he is a purely system fit corner, and I don't like the systems I would put him in. Because, you know, I would think, the, you know, the question is going to be, do you want him in, like, press man all the time? Well, he's a little I, short. I, I get what you're saying, but I guess the land, some landing spots scare me. If, if he landed, like, in a Miami, I mean, that would scare me to death. Yeah, but, I mean, if you manage, you know, to go on an organization that knows how to, Ravens. you know, put them in perfect positions, the Ravens know they have not done it in a while, really. I can um, see him playing opposite Jimmy Smith and being right. Yeah. Um, but, but I agree but with you there. A, and I was going to there's, like, that. a team like the Chiefs that went and got them, I, I would be okay with something like that. 
But I see going a team, possibly the Raiders. I don't like that situation because that reminds me too much of the DJ Hayden situation. I don't think the Raiders are going to sniff around them at all. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, like a team that knows how to use their corners, you know, to their maximum to build. I mean, if Seattle was further up in the draft, I could see it. But it's just well, a spot where what about the Jaguars? Jaguars, I like that, but I think they're too in on Miles Jack and Jalen Ramsey. Probably. Um, but I mean, that, that would seem like a plan. No. Similar scheme? I mean, similar scheme, but you look at Dan Quinn, he wants that speed, that long speed, you know, at every position on defense. He just does not have it. I mean, he has some speed. Yeah, but he... But he's not... If he's playing front to back, right, like if he's keeping in a straight line and all he's worrying about is playing cover three... Like in a Dan Quinn system where they play all that straight, you know, straight line zones. I mean, but what's here's the thing. It's a pretty awesome. He thing. knows exactly where he's going. I like the Jacksonville fit, and the Atlanta fit would make some sense. But if you typically look at what they want in corners, they want that long, uh, usually six footage, long arms at the corner. And he's five eleven. I'm barely, and doesn't really have all that long of a long arm. Uh, well, if I remember correctly, there are two starting corners now, Alford and who's the one from Washington? Desmond um, Trufant. Desmond Trufant. They're like 6'2". They're long, long. Yeah, but that yeah. also – and they also drafted Jalen something from LSU last year. Jalen Mills? I want to say that, but no. Jalen Mills, I think, is the wide receiver this year. You sure? Or uh, maybe. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about, but he was like a fourth round. He was like a fourth round safety, wasn't he? No, he was the second round pick. Was it? Oh, what? They went. Nick uh, Beasley last year. They went that corner from LSU, and I couldn't tell you what they did with their third and fourth round pick. Their fifth round pick, they went Grady Jarrett. Yeah, Grady Jarrett. What a good steal. Uh, let me think. Hold on. Falcons. Falcons draft picks. Because it's going to bug me. I keep thinking Jalen Mills. For some reason, I can't shake that name out of my head. Well, it's sort of like that. Similar to the Cowboys offensive lineman who's undrafted. Oh, um, the guard. The stud guard that was going to go, like, top ten. But it had that issue. It's a similar name to him, but not quite. I can't remember his name all of a sudden either. <laughs> I know it's Jalen or something. Jalen Collins. Jalen Collins. There you go. So I was right with the Jalen part. Here's um, our second round pick. Yeah. I think they drafted um, that wide receiver and the third. Um, uh, Hardy? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's basically my basic point with this draft, I think, is 
a lot of it, all these guys are going to end up being scheme fits, you know. And there's going to be so much projection on a lot of these guys. I just don't like it. You know, I remember what they did in their fourth round. They got to Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman, yeah, the running back. Indiana, right? Yep. Okay, so, that's the first five rounds now. Um, you know, okay, so here's a guy. I want to talk about guys that I don't, I have trouble with. I don't understand... I don't get Sheldon Rankins. I don't get the hype. I don't either. Uh, he has a third-round grade for me, but he's being pushed up for God knows what reason. Like, I know Raider fans, like, Raider fans are literally going crazy over the idea of Sheldon Rankins at 14. And I find it utterly insane. I mean, first I of all... I don't think he's worthy of a first-round pick. Did you see Kevin Dodder going there? Did you see Kevin Dodder going there? Kevin Dodder would make more sense because he's a scheme fit. Because mm-hmm. he's a 5'10". Because he's going to... Ultimately, Kevin Dodd's going to 5'10". You know, he's 6'5", mm-hmm. 270 pounds. You know, he's going to add 20 pounds and 5'10". So it makes a lot of sense for the Raiders, you know, to do, it, to do Kevin Dodd there. But back to Rankins, and speaking of the Raiders with Rankins, he's a, he is a three-tech. And I know he played in a 34. This, here's a part of this draft that I think people have to get out of their heads. People are conflating defensive tackle with um, – they're getting defensive tackle and defensive ends conflated. They're combining 34 defensive ends with 43 defensive tackles. They're not the same. <laughs> And you look at a guy like Sheldon Rankins, even to me, another one of them is Billings from Baylor. There's no way you are lining up either one of those as a five tech and a thirty-four. You are not taking a six foot one, three hundred pound bowling ball and putting him in as a five tech. It's not happening. It's not happening. And I know I Sheldon Rankins played defensive end at Louisville. Sorry, that's a crappy competition. And isn't this, are they, they're, what, uh, you know, it's, mostly crappy competition. Yeah, it's mostly crappy competition. I mean, you're going to be going up against pro bowl offensive linemen sometimes, and they will destroy him as a five-tech. They'll never two-gap anything. But you put him opposite of a guard and let him just shoot the gap, sure, he'll do fine. And Billings, to me, is another guy, you know, who I think, like, Billings – I think you could make the argument could be a shade nose tackle, you know, a one tech. I don't think mm-hmm. he should be a zero tech. I don't think he should. I don't think he has the body for it. I think he's a little too small. I think but he did with the Raiders, though, if he was a second rounder. Since I don't see the scheme fit whatsoever, they don't have a single three tech on the roster. They don't have a single one. All they have are nose tackles and five techs. That's it. All they have. <laughs> That, that, that's why this doesn't, like, and I know, you know, they may not play, like, a 34, like we imagine a 34, like if you think about the 1980s Giants with, you know, LT and, or, you know, so we're what looking, we've seen out of the Steelers, but, I mean, it schematically plays like a 34. You know, it looks like, looks like a 34, you know, they two-gap, they one-gap, they do multiple things, but all they have is 34 personnel. <sighs> I think you need yep. to take a deep breath on that one. 
<laughs> well, it's been boggling my mind. The Sheldon Rankins one, like, legitimately confuses the crap out of me. Like, which just, I don't know. And you know, I don't even see him as a first or second round pick. But I know he's going to be pushed up the door. To, to me, he's a Twitter creation. He's a gift guy. Like he's he's gotten popular because some Twitter scout guy went and made you know half a dozen vines or gifts or whatever, and all of a sudden they see a couple vines of Shelton Rankin blowing up a you know, one gapping and getting to a quarterback and all of a sudden they think he's the bee's knee. I'm sorry, but I think that's sort of funny. It bugs you out much on what people observe. It's to me I believe I believe it is what you see, what you value, not what you see somebody else put. That's just my opinion. But I understand your frustration on what you see. I think the overall, my point is, I think the overall Twitter community has created the monster that is Sheldon Rankins. They so created you know last saying? year, or the year before, the monster known as Tom Savage. I still don't think he exists. I, I will personally vouch for this and say that I was part of that, along with Aaron Donald. They were two guys I put, I pushed early. The other one, too, was the uh, quarterback that went to... Um, the Patriots in the second round. Jimmy Garoppolo. Was, Jimmy Garoppolo. I was a huge fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. And then my other one, I I remember doing an early, um, an early, you know, like uh, position breakdown, you know, like different prospects. Mm-hmm. And I set a sleeper to watch out for. Who's gonna, you know, he's gonna get extremely popular. It's gonna be Tom Savage. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, Tom Savage, Tom Savage, you know. And then he goes. I still don't think he He does not exist. I'm telling you. <laughs> he, we just we took a six foot six guy and made him disappear. That's T.J. Yates in another uniform. Is T.J. Yates that big? No, they probably put a bunch of like paper in his shoes or something. Stuffed a whole bunch of paper mache to make him look buffer. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it just—I don't think he exists. Where was he last year? Well, I don't know, but at least Tom Savage looks the part. <laughs> I don't believe he's a real person. He vanished. He disappeared. Um, so, people are talking about um, Kevin Hogan out of Stanford, which in most Drafts, he'd be a, your third quarterback if you carry three. Um, he doesn't have the arm. He's very inac- inaccurate. He's always throwing up receivers' feet. He has no arm. He's not really athletic. So basically, it's system based for him, and they rush Christian McCaffrey like crazy. Well, here's so I don't get I don't, think, I don't think he doesn't have. I don't think that he lacks an arm. I think his issue. No, no, no. Is I'm saying he's not. He's very inaccurate. I'm not saying he doesn't have an arm. Oh, gotcha. I was gonna say he's got the. He's got the power. Oh, he's no, throwing at their, He's wildly he's throwing always at. You look how many times he's throwing at receivers' feet, then comparing them making passing mm-hmm. plays downfield. It's 
very mind-boggling on how much she's throwing her feet at anything. I think what um, I would I would wonder if Kevin Hogan has a um, history of playing baseball. I don't really know much about the guy, but what happens lots of times, especially the guys who used to play baseball, is uh, and Jameis Winston suffered from this a little bit. Is in baseball your form and technique and your response about when you let the ball go, like all that kind of stuff. You have a tendency to hold on to the ball longer, and you deliver the ball on a always downward angle slope, right? Whereas mm-hmm. in football, you kind of turn the nose down, but you're delivering it at a high point, so it's always constantly sailing slightly up. And so they, they, they're opposite of each other. So I wonder if he had a baseball background, if that's caused some of that issue. Kevin well, that's, was the last I, baseball, I, that's the last baseball reference that's ever going to be on here. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I played baseball for a long time, so I had a little experience with it. Um, and so, but it happens. It, it happens with a lot of guys who play both baseball and football. And sometimes they'll get their hairs crossed. Because there are some parts of it where it's mechanically somewhat similar, and then there's like a couple of spots on the front end and the back end that are massively different. And sometimes they'll kind of get their, uh, you know, get their uh, chains crossed or get their wires crossed on that one. Uh, so Kevin Hogan, I always, I always expected more from Kevin Hogan, you know? A lot of people like, did. They thought he was the heir to end your luck. Well, no, he was no. a big time, he was a big he was time a five-star prospect. recruit. Five-star recruit, exactly. Like, he was hot stuff. You know, because he, Kevin, uh, Andrew Luck coming out, was he a five-star recruit? <laughs> yeah. He was okay. I, I thought I thought Andrew Luck was a, was a lesser recruit. Um, I know it was a big no, deal no, when they got him. I knew it was a big deal when they got him. But like I said, I'm not the college guy here. You know, I don't get into high school recruiting crap. <laughs> I don't really pay attention to the recruiting until it's draft time for him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't bother. I honestly don't bother going looking through a lot of it. You know, oh, I pick stuff up, but I don't. It's whatever. I just look at the tape. I'm very Greg Cosell on this one. <laughs> um, have you watched any Bird of Berman Adams from Oregon slash Eastern Washington the year before? Eastern Washington the year before? I wish I had my notes on me. I just left the house. I don't have my notes on me. And his name's not ringing a bell off the top of my head. Vernon Adams? Oregon? No, but you're asking me to remember names. I don't remember names all. That's why I have my notes on me when you usually ask. He's the he's, uh, African-American short guy. He's not even six feet. Dude! This is the NFL <laughs> draft. There's a lot of black guys who are under six feet tall in the draft. Okay, well, not a lot, but there's enough. <laughs> not this year, like you'd think. Yeah. There's like one or two. Um. Yeah, no, I, I recall watching some tape of his, but I would not call myself an expert on Vernon Adams now. Well, the people short. are seeing him as Russell a possible Wilson? early riser, and there's people who say he could either go stemmed front or undrafted, but he, he he is going to be highly coveted if he reaches undrafted. Um, so, and over seventy percent accuracy for his entire uh, college career. No, they're not calling him Russell Wilson. Some people are, but yeah. which is insane. Um, well, it's only because he's short. <laughs> Okay, what about Michael Vick? He was short. 
barely six foot. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. But that's the new thing, remember? Like, now when you can always associate some guy with some random attribute to somebody else so that you can compare him to It reminds me too much of Cordell Stewart. Burning that. I act. Okay, that I can actually see that making sense. Well, good. Now, the more the more I'm thinking about it, okay, Eastern Washington is a spread system. Mm-hmm. Then he went to Oregon, which is also a spread. Spread. It's a spread option. So he's gonna be playing a lot of spread option. I could see why you're thinking Cordell Stewart. I could see where your head's at with that. Um, I would think personally he's probably gonna go undrafted. Um, or eh, I could see him I being Russell Wilson's backup. But I could. I, 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 I mean, that seems logical. That seems logical, but I can mm-hmm. also see a few other teams. Uh, you think yeah, Rex yeah. Ryan? You think Rex Ryan? What he's got with Tyrod Taylor? Maybe he wants to see oh, maybe. that. Maybe that's possible. But I could see. But I could see them trying to pull out Tax and Lynch. Get out of here with that! <laughs> it's time to come back. We all know it. <laughs> I mean, you can't honestly tell me that you couldn't try to run some spread option concepts like when they did Tyrod Taylor with Taxon Lynch. I mean, he might not be quite as fast. Taxon Lynch I mean, is very athletic in that, but you really don't want that big guy running through everything. He's going to get hurt. I know he's a big screen man, but... Again, he's okay, he's done it's not like the Carolina Panthers here. Um, he is not built like a linebacker. He's built as a tall, semi-skinny white guy. He's 200, what, 35 pounds? And Cam Newton is 265 pounds. Well, hold on. Coming out of college, he was barely pushing 250. Granted, he was bigger, but he's at 265 right now. That was an over-exaggeration. He's probably right around 250, okay? You know, let's not get cray-cray. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger might be 265, and that's why he's a statue now. Ben Roethlisberger got fat. Well, you talk about well, I talked about Cardinal Stewart with Burton Adams, so I can see him being possibly with the Tennessee Titans as the third guy. Well, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, um, no. Because Menberger, I think they're wanting to trade. Yes, but I don't think... Here's the problem. This whole idea of the exotic Smash Mouth thing... It I don't worked think with Cordell Stewart. He was there with Cordell Stewart during that whole time. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, like... I don't think they're going to look at... <clears throat> I don't I don't think they're going to look at doing a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of nonsense with a quarterback like they have with Cordell Stewart. you got to remember... Cordell Stewart was a very high draft pick on a team that didn't have a quarterback. And so they trickled him in doing all that nonsense. And then eventually Cordell Stewart, he lasted as a trick player. You know, but you've got Mariota. You're not going to take him off the field a lot. And the whole idea of the exotic Smash Mouth is they're going to be in what? No, 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 no. I'm saying as a backup, as an insurance player. Yeah, I know. I see what you're saying. I don't think he's the right player that they would look for as the backup. I think they they're going to look Castle. traditional. I just think they're going to look for more a more traditional backup court, like a, a 
They have that castle right behind Memberger. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like, I wish I could come up with a, I wish I could come up with a, uh, an name out of this year's draft, but I'm kind of blanking right now. But I almost think like a Matt McGloin type. Like somebody who is, you know, it's going to come from a professional style system. It's going to know professional styling. Uh, Mike Glennon. Football terms. Yeah, Mike Glennon if they want to trade for him. But I'm trying to think of They're, something They've the turned out a second-round pick already for him. Well, yeah, I mean, it's valuable. You know, I mean, the Raiders tagged Glennon with a second-round pick, you know, or for uh, McGloin. No, 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 no. Um, um, somebody offered the Bucks for second-round pick for Mike Glennon, and they declined it. I know, that's what I'm saying. Teams are background backup quarterbacks are valuable. You know, it's like they're they're you know the Raiders didn't want to lose Matt McCoy and they put a second round tender on the guy. So um I this surprised me that McGlennon that they turned out a two for Glennon. You know, it's valuable to have those kind of guys. But I am just trying to think of let me go, I gotta go I gotta think of someone in this draft that might fit better. I just don't think Adams does. You know, somebody more somebody that comes from like a pro style Kevin Hogan. There you go. Mm, I mean, Kevin yeah. Hogan actually makes sense. Think about it. Kevin Hogan actually makes sense. He's smart. He's going to understand the language. You know, I mean, whatever. You talk about third. You talk about third string quarterbacks. He's going to end up being uh, Andrew Luck's backup. I can see well, that. It would be. be nice symmetry, and then he could turn himself into uh, uh, kind of a Gary Kubiak slash. Uh, Jay Sorge type. It's like every person under the age of 30 is going to be like, who's Jay Sorge? Jim Sorge? Jim Sorge, yeah. That guy. The one that backed up Manning for his whole career and played like four And then went to Eli to back him up for a year. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about good symmetry. All right, so what's next? We're going to talk about random seventh-round picks at quarterbacks? <laughs> um, it's some running backs I want to look at. Um, especially for like the, a team like the Eagles. They want sort of a younger-type Darren Sproles, but bigger, of course. You know, a guy who catches the ball, basically the lead back, you know, with some top-end speed. So I look at a guy like C.J. Postice, a former wide receiver turned running back. You know, he has experience catching the ball, and he's a pretty damn good runner. Injuries are just the problem. I like Procise. Um, But I can see how he's going to really come down to how people view him. He's not... You know, like some people, you know, I've said, you know, like I've said on Twitter, I like full size, you know, a little bit because he can do some of those wide receiver things. And then people are like, yeah, well, you know, you really suck the wide receiver. And you're like, yes, I know. That's why I said some of those things. You know, like, I don't know, run a crossing route. Come on, people. Um, I'm not talking about having them go out there and, like, you know, go run, uh, you know, like a post corner or something. Mm-hmm. Ugh, freaking people. Point being, um, I think pro size is a good one. Uh, I definitely think he fits some of that, what they're going to look to do there. 
pretty much, if you look at any any spread wider uh, spread running back that's on the little bit of a lighter side, you're probably going to be okay. What do you think about a Paul Perkins, maybe? Paul Perkins? Uh, I don't know. Uh, the jury's sort of mixed on him. Uh-huh. Um, he's either a third down back or just part of a rotation in most teams. Uh, but I like him as, you know, your second back, not necessarily a starter. I don't think he can hold up in the NFL. Yeah, no, but I don't think most backs will. The other one I have to so, think about, the other one I kind of think of is maybe uh, DJ Foster. He's a little bit closer uh, to pro size. What about a guy Wait. like Devontae Booker? He's sort of a little bit of everything. He sort of has, sort of has that airy and foster to his game. Yeah. I can dig. Um, I wonder about his... He may not have the long speed you're looking for, but he definitely does have the burst line. But he definitely may... He may not have, the, like, game-breaker kind of long speed, you know? If that's kind of what you're looking for. Which was a little bit of the premise into the question. You know, somebody, you know, kind of a mix-it-in guy with some speed. But I'm not sure if he's fit for that, but... I do think a team is going to get in and they're going to be happy with him if he's been doing rotation. I mean, I don't look at any of these running backs in this draft, even Ezekiel Elliott, and think to myself, that's a guy I want to give the ball 30 times to a game. Well, you're never going to give a running back 30 times a game. Well, yeah, you know, running, catching, whatever. I mean, but even like, but even like Ezekiel Elliott, I, I would probably only want to put him in like, you know, 40, 25 snaps a game, you know, realistically. You know, I don't, you know, even a Derrick Henry, like, I don't want that guy in there all the time. Uh, you know, he's, I don't think any of them are like that. And even Todd Gurley last year, even when he was doing well, you know, it's not like he was on unlimited snaps either. He was on a semi-managed snap count. I just don't, I just think nowadays this NFL, you know, that because you have so many, you know, bigger safeties that are flying at these running backs with momentum and everything else. What about the guy from uh, Cal? Oh, uh, I like him. Uh, what's his name? I know, uh, I know. The senior that got hurt. Uh, oh, come on, come on. It'll My only issue with him is, that, is he tends to fumble a lot, but that was mainly this year. Yes, um, but he's a very versatile, very versatile weapon. Um, oh, come on, what's his name? I gotta come up with his name. He did have he did have fumble line as uh, Lasco. That's his name. Uh, Lasco. He did have uh, fumbles last year, I think, because he, he was he was injured partly this year. But he his average yards per carry. What? He fumbled like three times this year. Was it last year? Okay. Uh, but I, I remember he, he only had he had limited snaps because he was injured for a majority of the season. Uh, right. So he only played a handful of games, I believe. I think three fumbles was against Iowa. Okay. Okay. And I put that. I think that was early in the year, and then he got yeah. hurt. And then he came back at the end of the year. Uh, 
People, people are also his missing best that performance now. was His best performance was the bowl game, wasn't it? Against who? Uh, oh, come on. Uh, I just remember it was a huge shootout. It was like 50-something to 50-something. It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I think his bowl performance was his biggest game. I, I think I want to say he averaged something like, like the year before, he averaged like five and a half yards a carry, with like almost thirteen hundred yards or something ridiculous. Yeah, in twenty fifteen, like it was, it was like astronomical um, for his junior year. I am actually a big fan of Lasco. It's the guy I, I kind of have penciled in for the Raiders. Later in the draft, I would be really excited about. We're looking back from San, San Jose State. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. What's his name? Um, oh, crap. I tweeted about it like two days ago, so I'm going to look through my tweets. <laughs> he's, he's definitely an interesting guy. I haven't watched a lot on him. Very shifty in open space. They used him as a wide receiver a lot. They that whole offense went through him, which I thought was very interesting. They they moved him out. They moved him around everywhere, and they did a lot of. So San Jose did a lot of pistol for the last few years, but then with this, with that running back, they did a, they started doing a lot of other formations as well including going uh, under center occasionally and doing some other stuff, too. So, um, I think he's definitely interesting. He's going to be part of the – there's a huge group of these backs that are, like, late-round backs, you know, like you're – like, one of them that I'm excited about is uh, Storm Bars Woods. I mean, I want, I'm excited to see what happens with that guy. Tyler like, Irvin. Tyler Irvin. What? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's a huge group of these back in – you know, these, like, the back half of the draft – Running backs, you know, like I mentioned, Bars Woods. Um, Jonathan Williams is also high on my board, but he was hurt all of last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's one I find fascinating, only because, and I know it's going to sound weird, because his hand size was so huge. He's kind of fascinating. <laughs> He's fascinating. Uh, the kid from you North to Carolina. Say about hands, right? Yeah, exactly. They don't follow the football. Um, <laughs> He's from South Carolina. Is it Wilds from South Carolina? Mm-hmm. He's the one that had, like, the 10 and the quarter hands, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he had super, like, ginormous hands. And, you know, like, when you start getting into, like, you know, big, like, 10-inch hands, and over here, those are, like, quarterback-sized hands. Like, that's mm-hmm. big. You know, we're talking big hands here. And um, I, to me, that's fascinating even though I know he has, like, virtually no uh, production. You know, when I went back, you know, he doesn't really have any production at all through being there for four years, which just seems – but neither did Arian Foster. If people remember back to Arian Foster at Tennessee, he didn't have a lot of production. Well, he had virtually zero to no production in Tennessee. Yeah, I think he was a backup his whole career at Tennessee, wasn't he? Um – I think he started a few games, but he was mainly hurt. Oh, okay. 
I couldn't remember if it was all injuries or if it was also just a backup, but yeah. Um. So you never know. I mean, there's you know one of the early favorites that's like fallen out of favor with a lot of people is Aaron Green. Aaron Green is my second running back. Second, no I third. Like Booker number two. I like him, um, but I just yeah, I feel like he's falling out of favor, like because no one's always talking about him. And maybe one of my particular favorites, who I am really curious to see where he goes. Is uh, Peyton Barber? Mm, Rondé Barber or not Rondé? I, I, I was I wasn't sure if he was one of those barbers, but uh, I had a feeling he probably was. Uh, Tiki is he Tiki's kid or something? I don't think so. Tiki's not that old. Um, I just remember watching him. I just remember watching him, and he was just impressive. Just a big physical. Or what know, if I, about Fred Taylor's son? Elvin Taylor. That's Fred Taylor's son. I didn't know that. See, I don't. I don't do a lot of the personal. I didn't know that was actually Fred Taylor's son. Oh, it is. Um, I, I like him. I mean, but he's another one of these guys where. Uh, I do worry that he's he's got some miles on him in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, about so that. Did, that's uh, what scares but, me about uh, Alabama's guy. Derrick Henry, yeah. Like Taylor, he's I like I like the other Taylor. guy they have there. Um, Kenyon, uh, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. I like him too. Uh, yeah. Uh, Both like, Taylor, can be Taylor doesn't do. Taylor's not overly explosive, but he does everything well. You know, he does like everything at a solid level. You know, he's versatile. You can put him in multiple schemes. So I like him a lot. Um, I like Drake too. He's gonna be. I have a feeling he's gonna get overdrafted. Someone's going to take him in the third round, you know. Did I park where I was supposed to? Uh-oh. Uh. But someone's going to take Drake in, like, the third round, and they're going to regret it. Because he should be a fifth or sixth round pick, you know, and end up being, like, a career special teamer and return guy, you know, and, like, an occasional specialty player. But someone's going to take him in the third round thinking he may be, like, the next hot thing and it's not going to work. <laughs> What's your opinion on Tyler Boyd? There's another name that, for some reason, is not registering in my head right now. What's See, your opinion on Boyd, the wide receiver? Oh, that's why, because you're asking me about wide receivers, and I'm a slacker, and I haven't done them yet. So you're going to get all mad at me, because I don't know what a, what wide receiver you're talking about. He looks, his number is like a running back. He was number 23 for Pittsburgh. Yeah, it doesn't mean I took the time to look at his tape. I just haven't gotten He's around to wide like receivers. like one of the top wide receivers. Yeah, but I literally have done none of them. How dare you? When are you getting into that? The only well, I was supposed to this weekend. and We got busy. I and I did look at Laquan. I did, I did start to look at Laquan Treadwell, um, at the top, and then Michael Thomas a little bit. Um, I don't like Michael Thomas. The other Mike Thomas side of Southern Miss is probably the better guy. He's been overlooked. If I had to pick one who I 
I've watched a little bit of, and I have a feeling I'm going to feel just my initial thought of him because I did watch the Notre Dame is I, Will I, I have a feeling I'm not going to be as high on Will Fuller as a lot of people. Cause I, I I'm, do. Not, I'm not high on him. He's too much of Mike Wallace 2.0. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I haven't but watched I can a run lot, a little bit I, more around. I don't, I, I haven't watched a lot of his stuff yet, but, you know, like during college, like the easiest team to watch, you know, during the college season is Notre Dame because they're always on NBC. So, and my best friend's a Notre Dame fan. So I, that's probably the one team I watch more than anybody during the college season is Notre Dame. And so I've actually, I've actually watched games with him, and I've never he never jumped out at me. Um, and I know people are saying Josh Doxson is like the next great downfield threat. I'm like, well, we'll see. You know, I like Josh Doxson. Uh, that's just me being a TCU type of guy. I love TCU in the during the year. Of course, my team is Clemson, but. I was rooting for TCU if Clemson was not, you know, going to be in the running, but eventually they were. They're a fun National team. Championship they, were a, they were a fun team. TCU was a fun team to watch. When Trayvon Boykin wasn't hurt. Yeah. Or or didn't get in trouble. <laughs> didn't he like get? Didn't he get drunk or something before the uh, drunk well, and stupid for the bowl game? Yeah, but didn't did it happen like right before the bowl game? Yep, and he didn't play. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then he got arrested for DUI, I think. Uh, one guy. No, never mind. I just had the thought, just like slip. Oh, no, no, it's back in my head. Uh, who's this? Sarah Cooper? I love Sarah and... Cooper. And uh, Sterling Shepard. Those are Sterling uh, Shepard's also my boy. But Richard yeah. Hagen, I like the most. I haven't watched much of him, but uh, those are two. I, I do remember watching little bits of them before, uh, towards the end of the season. Laurenti Carew. No, I haven't watched him yet. Um, but those were two that I noticed immediately. I thought would translate well as slot receivers. They stood out to me to be immediately trans- translate to slot guys, uh, Cooper and Shepard. Well, Tyler Boyd is also more like a slot in the NFL. These days he can play outside, but I think it's spots mainly in the slot. I'll keep that in mind when I watch him. And people plugged him to your Raiders. You know, I'm like, uh, so are we pushing him in the slot that likes Seth Roberts? Those, like, the Raiders are a team that's looking to improve in all phases. I mean, they like Seth Roberts, but they're probably wanting to do a little bit better. I think if they're going to hop on a receiver in the first three rounds, you're probably going to look at someone who's going to be the the epitome of the ultimate scheme fit that they have an idea for him immediately that they want to be very successful with. The only guy that, and I haven't watched a lot, but the only guy that immediately jumps off and I think about is like a Sterling Shepard type. 
But here's the caveat. I've said before with the Raiders, I could see them do a whole lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends and using Rivera and Walford out of the slot a lot more. Um, that's where I would kind of slow that one down a little bit. I'm not forget they sure. also resigned under Roberts. But he's down. He's a downfield guy. Mm-hmm. He's he's a downfield threat, big body guy, jump ball guy. They did use him out of the slot, but every time they did, it was a downfield throw, almost like using a tight end out of the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe that's what the position he needs to be, like a yeah, a vertical tight end. You know, that wide receiver turned tight end, basically mm-hmm. wide, no, wide receiver. That's, what, that's exactly what he should be doing. So either in the open field, creating a match, matchup problem against the small. You're looking at Niles Paul. But, of course, he's bigger yeah. than Niles Paul. Something like, yeah, so cause what you're going to do is you're going to create a matchup problem. You're going to get the small slot corner, most likely. Mm-hmm. Either that or you put him up against the boundary where he could box out. Either one is a good idea. And he does either one well. Um, so, yeah, but, I, you know, he's limited. He's not going to uh, – I guess one to talk about, to me, because I, I do catch Cal a lot, um, basically California, is uh, Lawler. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Lawler? Because you're the, you're the wide receiver guy. I'm not. Um, more of a project. Agree um, on that one. He's a project, of course, but I don't see him starting for a while in his career. I think he's more of a long-term backup. I mean, if he's even drafted at all. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, oh, who's the guy from Stanford with the weird name? Nick Hooper? No, not Hooper. He's the tight end. I know. Um, could Kajust? Huh? Kajust? Kajust? C A J U S E? Something Kajust. like that. I know. I, I think know who you're is, talking right? about. Yeah. Um, I remember watching. I, I know. Um, I've seen some stuff. People aren't very high on him, but I remember watching him at Stanford. Talk about projects. Thinking of a guy that I thought was woefully underused. I think he's sort of like that Sammy Coates of last year. Who needs yes, a couple years. Without the hype. Without the hype. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But I mean, like, guys who needs like one or two years before he can contribute. But he's more of that fourth wide receiver. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I'm probably going to agree with you. But um, you were just talking about sleepers, and he just popped in my head. Um, I mean, he can occasionally make that big type of play, but I wouldn't expect it. That exactly, and, but I think but I think for a guy like him, that's exactly what you want. Have him be your fourth receiver, let him go out and make a play maybe once a game, and let him learn how to be a football player. You know, that's how you that's how you ease a guy into stuff, you know. You don't have to have him go whole hog immediately. Now, I do remember one guy that the Raiders were really high, seemingly are high on, um, they spoke to him at the – he was one of the first guys they spoke to at the Senior Bowl. Um, and I thought it was pretty weird because it was um, – or was it the combo? Yeah, it was the Senior Bowl. 
it was the two Paytons. So first was um, the Payton was the running back from um, Auburn. But the other one was Jordan Payton, the wide receiver from UCLA. And I know the Raiders uh, talked to him. I believe it was a senior ball. Uh, I think he's going to be a sixth or seventh round guy, but I can see him eventually being a starter. But I don't see, I know think that's where. where the Raiders. But to me, that's where the Raiders are looking to go get their guys. Is you know fifth round and later. You know they have they have their starters. You have Cooper, who is going to be your long term. You know maybe one day Hall of Famer that you're hoping for. And then you have... We can only hope. Yeah, we can only hope. And then you have Crabtree, who's your solid veteran, who's still going to be with this team for another four years. There's no rush. And then, you know, you got a slot guy who's he's fine. You know, but can you go find a versatile player later in the draft that can do a little bit of everything for you? And I think, you know, that's where a team like the Raiders are. You know, people keep thinking, like, oh, they're going to need to go get a slot receiver. Um, a guy like Taylor Boyd or Will Fuller. Will Fuller, I think he can do most of his work in the slot. Yeah, but I just can't see them taking the chance. I mean, Will Fuller's probably going to go round one. No, I don't see it. Yeah, a lot of people are going to disagree with you. A lot of people are going to disagree with you. Well, I, I'm also one of those people who don't like to take wide receivers in the first round. Well, neither do I, but it doesn't mean people aren't. Remember, the back end of this draft is soft. Once you get through, like, the first 20 I think guys, he, could, he could possibly be in Niles or Nelson Aguilar of last year. Yeah, I mean... That second-round, like, middle second-round riser. Yeah, and could, but could you absolutely see someone, like, at 27 or something take a flyer on him because his grade is the same as someone else. They just happen to have a need a wide receiver? Absolutely. I could That's see the Packers positive. doing it. Sure. I could see... I have to look at like exact um, order of things, but there there are only well, going to be teams like I could see the Panthers doing something similar. I could see, you know, something like but that. But he's too much of a guy. It's too much like the guy they already have on their team. It doesn't he matter. I'm that, that, I'm, I, that kind of team. That kind of team. You know, that team that's kind of kind of there, kind of close. You know, couple of holes, but he's going to get the same grade as you know other positional needs. So how many other uh, late-round guys are we talking about? Oh, what are we going to move to now? Late-round kickers. Kickers! Don't start. <laughs> I have not even watched any of them. I tried to watch uh, some, but I had to turn it off within two minutes. In fairness, I don't actually watch kickers. Robert Aguirre from uh, Florida State. Watch out. He can be possibly the earliest I can see him going as a fifth round. But he's probably the best kicker in this draft. Isn't the guy from Florida State? Yeah, that's what I just said. Oh, I thought you said Florida. Like, I thought it was Florida no, State. No, no. No, it's Florida <laughs> State. The only reason why I remember is because everyone talked about him being the next Seabass. He can't have that type of career. Mm. As long as he's not drunk and inconsistent and also on pills before games, you know, 
vodka on the oxycodone. <laughs> All right, anything else, or did we, like, wipe out your list of stuff? I never, I didn't actually have a list that went on. I thought you were getting the list now. Well, I didn't really have much planned today. Um, So I guess we could run through a couple more names. Um, I guess uh, Corner. We already discussed Mackenzie Alexander. No, no, let's move to safety, strong safety. Uh, who are your top three guys? At safety? Strong safety. Strong safety. Well, I'm going to be... I'm going to be a little bit... How do I put this? I'm going to be a little bit on controversial with one of them. Cause I think Darian Thompson could possibly play strong safety. He can play um, both. Yes. So I kind of view Darian Thompson as a strong safety, but I don't really, you know, I think he's probably best as if you say he's a free safety, but I kind of want to see him play some strong, you know, um, but I think he's up there. Uh, Then you're definitely going to have, for me, Jeremy Cash. And why on God's green earth am I just blanking on the other one? Um, Oh, because I love it, Pete. How did this happen? Why? Oh, man. I feel his name is like so gone from my head right now. Uh, Hold on. My my first guy is Jeremy Cash. I love Jeremy Cash. I'm I'm a big fan of Jeremy Cash, but he, to me, is strictly... Well, I would say strictly. If you go off tape, he's strictly a cover three in the box Strong safety. If you project, I think he can play some too high safety. He's got the physical ability to do it. But I'm a big Jeremy Cash fan. I'm not as high on Sue Cravens as some people. I look at him as a little linebacker, personally. Um, uh, oh, the other, the, other one I was gonna, yeah. the other one I was thinking of is... Oh, and I guess, well, you got to ask yourself, is Carl, will we call Carl Joseph? I know he's short. He's a free will safety. Will we define Carl Joseph? I think he's strictly a free. I think he's, he can play both, but he's yeah. probably best at free safety. See, to me, he's a too high safety scheme guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I look at him and think he's probably best in a too high system, like the Bengals mm-hmm. or Minnesota, something like that. Um, even though I would, I had no problem if the Raiders thought of him, you know, like round two or something, I'd be all for it. I'd if like he was around, round. I think he's going to go late first. Eight round, late round one. I have a feeling he's going to as well. Um, Patriots so, just seems like that they're going to trade up and get it, go after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like KJ uh, Dillon, who's his opposite. Uh-huh. Um, well, I got to roll now. Uh-oh. All right. We got to take off. Uh, I'll talk to you later. All right. Oh, yeah, find me at holistic underscore pickle on Twitter. There you go. There's my plug.
think that just about does it for this week. We'll continue again next week. Um, we'll get back to project to early project starters, and that will be all. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.